the game is over, but we're just getting started. You're listening to The Fifth Quarter, presented by Twitch on the Raiders Podcast Network. Well, the Raiders and the Cincinnati Bengals entered Sunday's game, both needing a win in the worst way. And unfortunately, the Silver and Black did not put their best foot forward. Eddie Pascal here in the fifth quarter with my man, Jason Fitz. And Fitz, my heart was full this morning because we knew you were going to make your dramatic debut. You were back. We had the bye week and then some scheduling stuff. So we haven't seen you in a while. And so I woke up filled with optimism, with promise, with dreams of a bigger, better tomorrow. And then as we record this at 4.33 Pacific Standard Time here in Las Vegas, those feelings have gone. It's great to see you, but what are we doing, brother? What are we doing? Yeah, there are certain Sundays that I think every fan knows the feeling of sitting there during that game saying, man, this is it. This is who my favorite team is. And every fan base has to go through it at some point. And, you know, the Giants game, you and I talked so much during it. It's like, hey, I can understand so much of what was going on. The Chiefs game, I had high expectations for, thought maybe they could turn it around. But I walked into this game really reset and saying, hey, we're at the halfway point of the season. ton of football left. And I sat there as I watched the meltdown in the fourth quarter for a game that was close but didn't really feel winnable for so much of it. I sat there thinking, man, This is a team like I feel lost as a fan, partially because I'm watching a team that feels lost as a football team. There is no I have no idea how to define who the Raiders are offensively. I have no idea how to define what the Raiders need to do specifically to win a game at this point. Like I feel like all of the mojo is gone and there are so many question marks about how we got here in this particular game, not up to this point in the season, but how we got here in this particular game. There's so much blame to go around that I'm sitting here saying, man, this was the Sunday I thought they would salvage it, and that's why it's maybe the biggest kick in the no-no places yet. Now, let's let's dive into this because I think you hit the nail on the head. We enter, excuse me, we leave Sunday afternoon as we head into Sunday evening now with very few answers, right? We look into Monday now onto a short week, which we're going to get into, which now presents its own huge box of issues over the next 96 hours. But we leave with questions. And, and my question, the first one to me fits is, does this team have an identity on offense? And if so, what is it? It doesn't. And I'm looking at players. I'm looking at talent saying, what, what, what's the problem? What's the process even? Like, Josh Jacobs is no longer a part of the game plan. Like, we can excuse it every single week however we want. Obviously, this team is not letting Josh Jacobs be the bell cow. And, like, if, if anybody needs any indication, look at your fantasy football league and ask yourself who played Jonathan Taylor this week because that's that's production out of a running back position. At, at, the, at the end of this whole process of looking at Josh Jacobs, he's no longer the guy that we thought the Raiders were going to let him be. And I don't even know if that's on him because he's barely gets the chance to cook so who knows Darren Waller had a big game today but he's the only one the wide receivers were invisible and we can talk all day long about the the issues that come from losing rugs but my god we're talking about an NFL season that has seen more games lost to injury by more teams than ever in history like I, I watched the Baltimore Ravens win without their starting quarterback and you're telling me this many weeks in this team can't figure out how to negotiate the loss 
of a, of a wide receiver that was just growing in to the number one spot. Like I, that's unacceptable in and of itself. So I'm looking across the entire board saying, I have no idea if it's third and six right now, and this team has to get the yards, how do they do it in the fourth quarter? When this team is down by two scores, we don't feel like we have a chance anymore. And that's totally different than it was five, six weeks ago. Yeah. I, I mean, it really is incredible. And you and I were talking before we started rolling that you look at the Raiders of week one, that end of September game, that Monday night game where they took down the Ravens and Derek throws, I think it was for four thirty north of 430 there and you think to yourself okay granted it's a small sample size but this is who the Raiders are going to be in 2021 we knew going into this year that this offense or I should say at this point we thought we thought that the Raiders offense was going to be one of those juggernaut top 10 type of offenses score a lot of points gain a yard a lot of yards and then you just ask the defense to kind of just go along for the ride and do just enough to win now we look at week 11 this team has dropped three games in a row the offensive identity is to put it kindly, murky at best. And this team has completely changed philosophically. And now you almost feel like they're a defensive team first, that the offense almost just has to hold on and do enough to give their defense a chance. Because what we have seen over the past couple of weeks has given us, like I said, a lot of questions. And frankly, sitting here at 5-5, five and five, I don't know if we have many answers at all. Aren't the coaches telling us they think it's a defensive team? Because look at 4th and one. I mean, we can talk all day long about analytics like it's a bad word, but fourth and one has become almost a 50-50 play. And you can look at some coaches in the NFL and in college football now that are willy-nilly with a fourth and one at their own 20-yard line. Like, they don't care anymore. Fourth and one is a general concept. is supposed to be, hey, I believe my guys can beat your guys, and the odds are in my favor to do that more often than not. Now, I don't think that means you play it like it's a Madden football game, but it, we can also look at the fourth and one situationally here. The number of times that we basically decided as a team that the approach was to pin them in deep into their own territory and make them drive. What does that say? That says we believe we're a defensive team. We're not going to give up a bunch of yards. The coaches are telling us what they believe in. And right now they believe in that defense to get things done, not in the offense. And, and that, it, like the coaches speak louder than we speak when it comes to the aggressiveness of their, their play call. And there was literally none of that. Whether you want to talk about the routes that were running short, whether you want to talk about the dump offs that were immediate from the time Carr got the ball, or whether you want to talk about the play calling on fourth and short. You know, I, I think to me, Fitz, now in hindsight, as we've had a chance to kind of decompress for, gosh, about an hour or two since the game ended, the, the moment that I think back to uh, on that very first series, we had the unique strip sack, my guy Dallin Levitt, friend of the program, Dallin Levitt, brings it back, and the Raiders aren't able to convert uh, first and goal from the nine, essentially. And when he didn't get in, and we all kind of joked about it, we all kind of said it in like a, oh, I hope you know this doesn't come back. But we're like, I really wish Down would have gotten the end zone there because the red zone struggles that this team has had over, I mean, frankly, throughout a majority of the season, but especially over the past month, all of a sudden you're like, you left four points on the board there. And that really just became the theme of this afternoon fit. The Raiders could not get any, anything cooking, specifically in the end zone. And I love Daniel Carlson. I have been very open about how much I enjoy him as, as a human being, as a kicker. He is a tremendous asset to this team. But at some point, and stop me if you've heard me say this before, Fitz, at some point, you've got to turn three points into seven points. Seven is just greater than three. It's simple math. I'm not a mathematician, but I know that in my core. And it's just been so frustrating as of late that the Raiders get into that area and it just feels like the, I don't want to say the wheels fall apart. There's just, it's a stagnation. You know what I mean? It, it is. And look at who I believe that Darren Waller is comp to, right? Like when we all, we all watch Kansas City, everybody watches the Chiefs. Why is it they can always seem to way to get the ball to Kelsey? Why is it the 49ers can seem to find a way to get the ball to Kittle? 
we can't get the ball to the one guy that we have that we should be getting the ball to there. And I hated, I mean, hated passionately the way third down went from third and goal in that situation where the ball was out of Carr's hands so quickly to a running back that had virtually no chance at getting the eight yards he needed to get into the end zone. I mean, the play calling to me just lacked complete direction. And I can't, I can even understand that late in the game when you're saying, Hey man, we're just, we're losing the chess battle. But early in the game, like that's the point where you've been working on your red zone offense all week. You come in with some plays that you can really rely on. They practice situational football constantly. So you're telling me that they practice situational third and goal from the nine that's going to be a dump off to the running back that's poorly placed? Like, none of it made sense. And, and, and that's that's the hardest part. I don't mind aggressiveness that doesn't work. And I don't even mind safety conservative calling a conservative action from the quarterback when there's nothing there. But when the two things like merge into some sort of a brick wall, you're heading, hitting your head against, I, I sit there and say, what do we, what were we even trying to accomplish on that? Those three plays, it was a statement of what was to come for the rest of the game. And I think a lot of this fits comes back to the fact that there is no identity offensively right now where it feels very much like Ole kind of has to adjust on the fly to see what's working. Like, you know, even at times uh, in the previous regime when things weren't going well, you knew who the Raiders were going to be, right? They wanted to establish the run. They were going to let Derek cook off of the run when Josh and Kenyon or whoever it was that year got rolling, and that's where they are going to make their money. You knew who they were. Even when it didn't work, even when it wasn't overly sexy, even when there were challenges in that, you knew who the Raiders were on offense. Now, it almost feels like you're like, okay, well, uh, today Darren's cooking. Oh, they took him away last week. Let's get Darren fed. Okay, let's give Josh run, but we only get to Ken. There's no cohesiveness. There's no understanding of who we are, what we what we want to do, and how we're going to effectively do that for 60 minutes. Yeah, and, and I keep looking at the offensive side of it saying – Carr never looks comfortable from the minute he drops back. Now, I, I don't think that that necessarily is always on the line. I think it's on everybody involved in it. But as I've said to you repeatedly over the course of the season, when you see Carr get to the line and he just starts diagnosing things and he's yelling things out and everybody's looking at him, he's like, yeah, I got this. Early in the season, we felt that. The days that, that Carr just doesn't feel right are the days that he's coming up to the line and it looks like they're scrambling and nobody really understands what's being communicated. We've seen that now three weeks in a row. And that's the hardest thing for me to stomach is that we're seeing the same late to get out of the huddle, late to get to the line of scrimmage, late to figure out what they're trying to accomplish, late to get guys lined up. Everything feels chaotic. The minute Carr gets the ball, he's either immediately throwing it or he's starting to run before he even sets. And I, I don't know what they're seeing or what's not happening to make everybody feel like they've got a protection plan. And, you know, I, I, I say this all the time, but an offensive lineman I know that plays for another team constantly talked about how as minutiae as this is, drop back depth matters for a quarterback. They practice it all week. On this play, the quarterback should be this many yards deep, and you'll push your defender past that or you'll push them in front of that because you know your quarterback is going to be at that spot. Rewatch this game. I don't know where Carr's even trying to set up. Like I, I just, he doesn't seem comfortable, and I don't know wh- who's gonna like which game first, the chicken or the egg. Mm-hmm. Is the line gonna get him comfortable, or is he gonna get the line comfortable? But none of it just gels together right now. It's like a bag of candy where some of it's sweet and some of it's sour, and you can't just take a handful and trust it. Yeah, and I think what what the biggest frustration for me at this juncture fits is that you look at what the the Raiders defense did today. And give Joe Burrow credit, right? They end, they end the game with, what was our final school? 32-13. You don't get 32 points on accident in the NFL. But I don't think that they played an incredible game offensively. I'm talking about the Bengals. And you look at what this Raiders defense did. You feel, 
Now, I know that the score got away from us a little bit at the end, but you feel at least halfway through the third quarter into the fourth quarter that this Raiders defense did enough to win you a ball game. Now, we talk about the Dallin-Levitt. Yes, Dallin should have probably got in the end zone. You get seven points instead of three there. But all the same, it feels like this defense is holding up their end of the bargain. They're doing just enough. But at the end of the day, Fitz, the, the Bengals win the time of possession 37-20 to 22-40. You cannot ask this defense to be on the field for almost 40 minutes and effectively play defense in the 2020 version of the NFL. You just can't. Well, and, and you know, I was texting Eddie during the game and talking about the third down mistakes for the defense. And I want to yeah. hold everybody accountable yeah. to that. Like you've got, you've got to be focused on third down three different times. The, the Bengals were about to get off the field, but to your point for all of those mishaps, this was a 16, 13 football game, right? Like this was a three point game that you're looking at saying, Hey, uh, there, there's still a chance things can work its way out. And then it just never did. And the time of possession is a big part of it also, because Remember, the other part when you don't have any time of possession is you're not getting to run any plays. I mean, when you look at the final line, the Raiders ran the ball 18 times, threw the ball 27. You don't run the you don't run 45 plays and execute the offense. Like if you're trying to get Waller fed and you're trying to get Renfro fed and you're trying to get Josh Jacobs fed, like this takes long sustained drives. It takes the ability to convert second and third and mid-range and this is a team that kept turning it into second and third and short and still not getting it done. That's the maddening part of it. Like when your two backs that are costing you a ton of money, get a total of 14 carries in the game. I'm looking at it and saying, what was the game plan? Like what, what were we accomplishing? Because I think as much as I do fault some of the lack of discipline defensively for the three plays, particularly that they kept the Bengals on the field, they still found a way to hold this Bengals game in check until the offense gave it away. I mean, you talk about those long sustained drive fits and we're at 16-13 in the early start in the early minutes of the fourth quarter. And then what do the Bengals do? Long sustained drive. They go 12 plays, 62 yards in almost 7 minutes. They bled that clock. They got in the end zone. Yes, they missed PAT, but all the same, that was we talk about the Raiders and their identity. That was the Raiders identity like two and a half months ago, right? That was who they wanted to be. Control the clock, run the ball, don't ask too much of Derek, don't ask too much of Josh, have a very balanced. And we're talking about balance fits. The Bengals ran the ball 38 times and they threw it 28, or excuse me, 29 times. So they knew who they wanted to be. They knew they were going on the road, they were traveling west. It's hard to do that regardless of who you are, but they went in with a clear game plan. And when they needed to have a big boy drive, they got a big boy drive. Yeah, and mix him with 30 carries for 123 oh, yards. You, geez. 30 carries. Like, that's when you, that's a commitment. That's, that's what it takes. You want to run the football. There's two ways to run the football. You run the football because you want to actually see return. That's what the, the Bengals did. You run the football because you want to force some contact and you want to wear people down in a different way. That's what the Chargers tend to do, right? Like, uh, Staley was pretty vocal about that a couple of months ago about how it forces tackling and forces hitting. But part of the concept is that if all you do is throw the football and you don't run the ball, when every time you run the ball, and I'm stealing this again from the Chargers head coach, but he made it clear. Every time you run the ball, you actually force pads on pads. You force contact on contact. You force tackling. When you throw the ball, you don't necessarily do that. And there's a concept that if you run the ball enough times, you will wear people down, even if they're great condition-wise. Like, the, the Bengals ran the ball 38 times in this game, right? 38 times. Mix him with 30 carries. I mean, this was already a team that at times has struggled against the run. 
And basically the Bengals came in and said, cool, we'll wear you down. Like this is an okay Bengals team that came in with a game plan that knew that it would give them an advantage in the fourth quarter. And it worked to a T to your point. It's not an accident that they have a long drive. They have the long drive because they've been wearing you down cut by cut by cut all the way up until they get to there. I mean, you talk about that cut by cut by cut fits and we talk about the 38 attempts they had on the ground and they averaged north of four yards a carry over, over the course of 38 carries. 38, and they average 4.2 yards a carry. Like that, we talk about the definition of wearing you down, the definition of like our best is better than your, your best today. That is it right there. 38, 159, 4.2 yards a carry and two touchdowns. And, and I know that I've, I don't want to say I've been, I've been an apologist for this defense at all. And they have to be better against the run. I mean, you look at the numbers, you look at, you know, over the course of the season, they have to be better against the run. But at some point when you're on the field and it all goes back, I feel like we're going in a circle. We're going the same place fits. You can't ask them to be on the on the field for 38 minutes. You just can't. Your offense has to do enough to give them a breather. Your offense has to do enough to get in the end zone to at least give you a chance. Because if you're Gus Bradley and you're looking at your group, I know they can be better. And we talk about the third down penalties, which were absolutely killer. But at some point, you have to look your guys in the face and be like, I can't ask any more of them. I just can't. This is not the 85 Bears fits. It's not. So you have to live in a world of reality. You have to live in a world of, hey, this is who we are. I think we're an above average defense. I think we're a really good defense, but I don't know. Like We're not a top five defense. At some point, there's got to be an acknowledgement of like, guys, you got to help us out a little bit. I mean, that's how the team was built, right? Like the conversation you and I were having on these shows in August was, man, if we can just get a top half of the mm-hmm. league defense Man, we're a Super Bowl contender. You get a top half of the league. Like, this is a playoff team all day, every day. Well, guess what? There's a top half of the league defense here, and they're playing like a top half of the league defense. Yes, they've given up some plays. That's the modern NFL. That's happening all the time. But you've got to look at the offense and say, hey, at what point are you going to find the plays that that really, you know, that you're comfortable with? And, and you know, you're a basketball fan. You're a Steph Curry fan, right? You're a Golden State fan. Shooters shoot, right? Yep. And and if you've got a night where Curry's a little off, they find the right plays to get Curry free and open, and then he takes that shot from wherever he's comfortable with. And it's farther and farther away sometimes if he's uncomfortable. If you watch Harden play, like there are times that you can tell that he's just having an off night. What did they do? They find the three or four plays that they know can get him the ball to get him comfortable. And what we've seen so far up, up until the last three weeks, I've always felt like there are a sequence of plays that make Carr very comfortable. Get the ball out look left, throw right, Renfro's going to do a little wiggle route of some sort with 57 moves. Or, you know, uh, drop back, look right, wait for the the Waller in cut. It feels like Carr really likes posts. He likes cut-ins. He likes all of these easy patterns across the middle, and he's got guys that can go up and snag the football. I kept waiting today to see that. Like, where are the play calls that make Waller, Renfro, uh, Jacobs, and Carr comfortable? And since we never saw it, what I really saw was the old adage of throw spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks. And, you know, that that doesn't work for offense. It, it doesn't – even if you play a clean game, if you play a clean game without identity, you are not going to win in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. And, you know, it's it's been a dark – it's been a dark couple hours, right? It's been a dark couple weeks for this team. They have not had a win in what feels like a very, very, very long time. But, Fitz, let's try to fix something, right? Let us try to at least – find some sort of, I don't know, I want to say positivity, but a look to the future, right? We have seven games left. This team is five and five. And I'm not, I'm not here to talk about, hey, what do they need to do to make the playoffs or this and that? Like, today is not the time to have that conversation. But going into Dallas now, this team plays again in four days. What would you do 
to try to get this offense back on track. If you, if I could give you a magic wand and say, Fitz, these are the two, three things that you are going to be able to implement in the next 72 hours to try to get this offense back to where we know they can be, what are you doing? Yeah, well, okay, a couple of things. You're taking on a Dallas team that, yes, they got beat by the Chiefs today and they got beat pretty handily by the Chiefs today. But you're playing a, a Dallas team with a good defense and you're playing a Dallas team with Parsons who's gotten after it, guys that can get after the quarterback. So if I, I want to get rhythm back, what I'm doing is I'm doing a choose-your-own-adventure offense. And what I mean, like, if, you, if you're if you my age, like, Eddie, you're too young for choose-your-own-adventure books. Did you grow up with choose-your-own-adventures? Did you ever have this? I, I think that might have been, like, the tail end of, like, uh, let me ask okay. you this, old man. Did you have the Scholastic Book Fair when you were a youngster, or was that? Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, that's yeah. good. Yeah, we okay. had the Scholastic. All right, okay, good, yeah. good, good, good. So, good. like, the way choose-your-own-adventure would work, you'd be right, reading through a whole thing, and then it'd be like, all right, you come to a hallway. If you turn right at this hallway, turn to page 76. If you turn left. Go to page 45, and it would take you through this one book, but depending on what what direction you went in every possible way, it could make the entire book different. What I'm doing is I'm giving a car a choose-your-own-adventure three ways every time at the line of scrimmage. I'm picking up my pace of play. I'm letting him go straight to the line. I'm running not a hurry-up offense, but I'm running faster to the line. I'm staying no huddle. I'm letting Carr get comfortable seeing what the defense is tipping, and I'm letting him pick from three plays the whole way. I am let, I'm putting the offense into Carr's hands and saying, okay, you're on the field. You need to be comfortable. Get comfortable. That's about the only way that I think that you can actually get some level. Because right now, the disconnect between what Carr's comfortable with and what it feels like is being called from, from a play-calling standpoint, it just there's a divide there. So I feel like all you can do is lean on the quarterback that we're trying to figure out exactly who he is and exactly how great he can be. Give him more equity. Give him more skin in the game. And let him really be the one that comes up to the line and says, hey, I'm checking to this. I'm checking to that. Put it in his hands. Because if he's not right either way, you're going to be doomed. So by giving him more ownership on it, maybe you can find a more comfortable game plan. That would be my number one thing for the offense, too, because it will let him figure out protection calls so that they can get rid of the ball quickly. Dallas can get after the quarterback. You know, and I'm with you. And as a guy who has historically, traditionally been a establish the run kind of guy, like I, in my heart of hearts, Fitz, that's who I want this team to be. I want them to establish the run. I want Josh and Kenyon to be able to do their thing. And I want Derek to be able to work off of that. But at this juncture, I agree with you. Let him go. Let Derek do his thing. Figure out what is going to give him the best opportunity to succeed on first, second, and third down. Figure out, hey, what are you comfortable with? What do you feel good about? And let him cook. Let him get in a groove. Because what we have seen over the past couple weeks is a Derek Carr who, for whatever reason, just hasn't been the Derek that we have come to expect. And I'm sure there's a variety of reasons that have gone into that. There are, I'm sure there's a very human element of it. You know, I'm sure there's a football element. There's a lot of stuff going on. So I say, Derek Carr, you're our guy. You're our starting quarterback. What do you want to do? How can we build you up? How can we put you in a position to succeed? And if that's, hey, we got to throw the ball 50 times a game, if our running game, quote-unquote, is going to be those short little routes to Renfro, the two-yard, the three-yard gains, then let's do it. Because you need to get him in a groove early. Because we have seen now over the past month in change that when Derek does not get cooking early, it feels like it's kind of hard for him to get going and gas himself up throughout the game. So is that a, a recipe for winning sustainable football? I don't know. But at this point, let's try to find out, right? Yeah, and I, I'm a, also a believer that if you give quarterback that ownership, it doesn't mean they're not going to run the football. It sure. just means they're going to diagnose it when they get to the to the line. And, and 
It's interesting because I thought the broadcast and one of the things I love about doing this with Eddie when we're in different spots is we watch the game from different perspectives. The, the broadcast did a nice job a couple of times of pointing out, you know, that, that Carr basically threw the ball away because there's nothing there. There's nowhere to go with the football. And there is a little element of this that's like, all right, if this is who this offense is going to be now, and if we're not going to trust the the line to hold up long enough to get this group of receivers downfield far enough to open up the middle like we were having before, if that's not a reality, then how are you going to succeed in the market that you have? I mean, that's just something at some point we can no longer sit here and say, well, it's we're not having offensive success because we don't have rugs taking the top of the defense off. Okay, cool. Now you got to adjust because that's what every single team in the NFL has to do every single week. It, it, you have to look at it and say, these are the cards we've been dealt. This is who we are as a team today on the field. And we've got to play through all of the adversity that we have in the locker room and be the best version on the field. And, and frankly, again, I'll use the Ravens as an example of a team that came in saying, we're going to run the damn football from the day this season started. And they have been decimated at that position. And they still find ways to constantly run the football. They didn't have their starting quarterback due to illness. And they still came in and said, doesn't matter. We're going to run the football. This team has got to come in and say it no longer matters how we got here. The question is how we're going to maximize what we do have and still find success in it. You know, Fitz, I wonder if we saw the recipe for success a little bit uh, on that three-play 75-yard drive where you go Waller, Waller, Moreau, chunk, chunk, chunk touchdown. And look, I would be hard-pressed to think there's a more talented duo of tight ends in the NFL than the tandem of Waller and Foster. And I wonder if you try to exp- – I mean, it sounds crazy to expand Darren's role. I mean, you're looking – I'm looking at his line right now. Darren ends the day uh, eight – or excuse me, seven catches for 116 yards. And I wonder if you now say, hey, Foster, we need you to become more of a, an offensive threat. Like, not just the red zone guy. Like, we're going to put you out wide, and you got to cook from there too. So – because you look at that drive, and it was so easy. I mean, it really was. It was like playing on Madden. It was 20, 20. 35 or whatever it was, and they went quick, fast, and a hurry to Waller, Waller, and Foster, and then you got a touchdown. So I wonder, over these last seven games, Fitz, and we're talking about the the continually evolving, I think is fair to say, Raiders offense, what we're going to see over the next seven weeks, I wonder if we just see more of Foster and Darren and say, hey, you are two of our most talented guys out wide. Go get the football. And the only thing that coaches can really be judged on in my mind is their ability, not the only thing, but the most important thing, let me say it this way, Can you identify where you have the mismatch and fix it? Can you identify where you have the mismatch to your advantage and take advantage of it? And how often do we see somebody? We've seen this a lot. uh, You and I watching the games the last month. You'll see a corner that's having a bad day. The other team figures it out. What do they do? They go after that corner over and over and over again. For the Raiders, you're right. Big is an advantage. I mean, coming in and using Waller and Moreau and going big is going to give you the advantage that they're going to have to line up big to hold them back in case we're running the football, if we run the football well. Well, if you can take big and line it up outside, if you can shift in motion and get away from just being big and in the box, well, now you've created mismatches. I think there's a huge opportunity there for the Raiders to look at it and say, hey, if we are decimated at the wide receiver position, then what do we do to be better where we have strength? And that's something that I feel like right now just isn't happening. And, and you know, sometimes you use the Madden comparison, and I don't want to insult any brilliant minds sure. that are NFL coaches. So let me be clear about that. But for anybody that's played Madden, there are times that you're going in and you're playing a buddy in Madden, and you're like, man, this one just got away from me. Like, 
I stopped running the plays I like to run, and I got my butt kicked. I do think that there's a human element of that that happens sometimes for coaches. I, but you then have to step back and say, okay, what do I want to do and how do I want to do it? Putting Moreau and Waller on the field with, with either of the running backs or both of the running backs, I don't care. Get as tricky as you possibly can with your big set and take advantage of whatever opportunity you can. I'm all in for that. This Raiders team needs to figure out how to start winning time of possession and how to start winning the mismatches where they have the advantage. And I don't feel like that's happening right now at all. You know, and I just did some quick math while you're talking, Fitz. And Raiders tight ends today, 135 receiving yards. Raiders wide receivers today, 50 receiving yards. I mean, you look at the numbers, right? You look at the numbers and the guys that are being productive for you, and it is that tight end group. And I know, I completely understand that having the athletic freak, the best in the game, Darren Waller, helps immensely in that when you look at those numbers. But at some point, you just got to start seeing, hey, to your point, what's working, what's not working? Let's lean into what we do well and just acknowledge the things that aren't working very well. This might not be the season that we get those back. Like, it would be great if you could if you could consistently and regularly go to your wide receiving core and expect big numbers from them. But at this point, I, I don't know if that's the way forward, Fitz. I, I just don't. Yeah, especially going into this game coming up uh, on Thursday, yeah. you're taking on a Cowboys team that has one of the most opportunistic secondaries in the NFL. It, it, like, it, it is rare for us to come in and say, shut down corner. And guess what? The Cowboys have that. So, you know, if you're a car, you're going to have to be particularly patient when it comes to who you attack and why you attack them. So you're going to have to find those advantages, those mismatches with your tight ends, because if all you do is dink and dunk to your to your running backs and you can't win the outside edge battle with your wide receivers, then you're not going to have any offense. And that's sort of what it feels. I mean, it, the, the difference is so stunning on, we all know this, the defense starts cheating up and up and up because they know that you're going to dink and dunk underneath. And we all say, we'll take a shot downfield. But what we forget is that to take a shot downfield, somebody has to be open. Somebody has to be able to get separation and Carr has to have time. On top of that, he's got to find it. Those are all things that aren't happening in this offense right now. And, and I don't think it's just Carr's fault. I don't think it's just the line's fault. I don't think it's just the receiver's fault. It's just no longer a strength of this football team with its current personnel configuration. So now what the hell do you do? Yeah, I think, and look, we've said it a lot. We come out of this game, Fitz, with a lot of questions. Uh, and unfortunately, at this juncture, just not a ton of answers to said questions. But looking ahead to Thursday, Fitz, before we get out of here, a Thanksgiving showdown, Cowboys and Raiders. And, and it feels crazy that literally 96 hours from now, I think, my math is quite bad, but I think it's 96, the Raiders are going to be playing another football game. So in order for them to kind of put this behind them, put a really bad Week 11 in the rearview mirror, look ahead to a very good Dallas Cowboys team, what do we need to see from the Derricks, from the Brian Edwards, from the Max's, Yannick's, from this collective over the next 72 hours before they get on a plane and fly to Dallas for a now incredibly pivotal game against a really, really good football team? I think Max and Unique have the most difficult job of everybody you just mentioned because you don't get a lot of time to get your body right mm -hmm. before you get out there. And they play with such aggression. They're going to have to get their body right. They're going to have to make Dak a little uncomfortable. And Dak... You know, right now we all know he's going to be without Amari Cooper. We'll see what the status looks like for CD Lamb. I know he left uh, today's uh, game, so we'll see what the status looks like like for CD moving forward. But if you're the Cowboys, you have a ton of weapons. Everybody knows you can move the football. You have a a, a great running back tandem, not just with Zeke, who we all know is a brand, but also Pollard, the backup there. Like there are just so many people that can score. So your your rushers that are everything to this defense are going to have to quickly get their bodies right and get their heads right to, to come out and play a game in just a few days. It's incredibly difficult. On the offensive side, 
Cars got to be careful. I mean, I don't think you can make turnover mistakes. Like you, you, you've got to be aggressive in the right spots, but if you're aggressive in the wrong spots, it's going to cost you 14 points to turnovers easy against this defense. They cause them. So cars going to have to actually have some level of, of aggressive caution. If that makes any sense. Mm. Like we know he needs to push the ball down the field, but he's going to have to watch out for digs. He's going to have to identify wherever digs is. He's going to have to identify more complicated coverages. I mean, this is one of the tougher matchups I think the Raiders will have all season for a team that is is a Super Bowl contender in the NFC. And they got to do it on a short week. They got to travel on a short week. It's uh, it's no easy task. And philosophically, if it's before I let you go, do you enjoy the Thursday night matchup? Like, I'll be very honest with you. Like, I, I think Thursday night football uh, is not. You never get to see the best version of either team. And I know that obviously we're looking at this be like, oh my god, we got to play in seventy two hours. But regardless of how good a team's playing, how bad a team's playing, the Thursday night thing to me, it just it. it it feels like you're cheating both teams. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, and think about the way we cover it on Friday morning. 99% of the time, yeah. Fridays are still look ahead to the weekend. Like, we're not giving the Thursday game the love it deserves. If I was the czar of football, yes. which would really give me control of college football and the NFL, <laughs> if I was the czar of football, the one thing I would do is I would make sure that the Thursday night game was always a divisional rivalry game because the one thing I think is an injustice for so much of this is that we end up with playoff seating coming down to a Thursday night game between the Packers and the Cardinals. Well, they won't get another chance to run that back, at least if it was always, okay, a Thursday night game involving the Raiders is going to be the Raiders versus the Chiefs. Well, then you know you get another matchup with the Chiefs to make it right during the season. I think the NFL could really focus on rivalries and at least make Thursday night fun in that sense. But otherwise, no, it's, it's, it's not, it's not a great situation. I don't have a lot of great memories of watching the Raiders on yeah. Thanksgiving day either. So, you know, I'll be eating the Turkey and, uh, and just kind of hoping that things uh, things turn out better than most people's pie, because pie's trash. Oh, Fitz, we don't don't go there I on the pie is trash. There. Don't do it. Don't do it. We've been in, the, in there. We've been in the darkness. We've been in the darkness today. The last thing I need is you and your scalding and incorrect food takes on our way out. But that'll be a conversation for another day. Uh, I'm sure you and I will talk in between now and Thanksgiving about all our pie do's and don'ts. And just to, just to clear everything up before we get out of here, two thumbs up on all pies. Well, not all pies, most pies. 95% of pies, thumbs up. Maybe a few on the thumbs down. But overall, a very, very good dessert. Fitz, I thank you for your time per usual. I thank you for being my, uh, my assistant as we try to delve through everything that we saw. Because today was rough, brother. It, it was, it was yeah. objectively not, not a good day. The one thing, remember, Eddie, it only takes one win for all of us to feel much. Oh, much for sure, I do. I mean, think about this: if if the Raiders go down to Dallas and they win on Thursday night, it the tone and tenor of this entire season changes. Not just the day; the tone and tenor of this entire season absolutely changes. And that's the beauty of the of the NFL, the madness of the NFL, twenty twenty one in particular, too, man. It feels like every week there's something crazy and bananas happening. So. On that note, I hope we have something crazy and bananas happen in a good way on Thursday. So, Fitz, I appreciate you per usual. I appreciate my guy Ray on the ones and twos, my friend Alexandra in the control room, making sure everything is tip-top shape when we do the show. And for everyone else at Silver and Black Productions, thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us. And we will catch you guys on Thursday for a holiday edition. That's right, a holiday edition, hopefully filled with much cheer and much rejoicing of the fifth quarter. Thank you for listening to The Fifth Quarter, presented by Twitch. Make sure to download the Raiders mobile app, and we'll see you next week.